The inaugural In Plain Sight commission is now well underway. In advance of its unveiling, we recently caught up with artist Emma Stroud in her wonderful studio at the foothills of beautiful Ben Bulban. Emma has been commissioned by the Bar and the Honourable Society of King's Inns to capture the milestone achieved by Avril Deverell and Francis Kyle, both being the first female barristers to join the Irish Bar some 100 years ago. Emma shared with us her artistic process, the responsibility of such a commission, and what the project means in the broader sense. To learn how you can get involved and more about this project, see lolarby.ie forward slash in plain sight. We hope you enjoy. Okay, we're here, we're here in your studio in, in, in Grange, in Sligo. Um, what brought you to Sligo? You're clearly not a, a Sligonian. Yeah, a leap of faith, I would say, brought me to Sligo. Um, I was in Dublin for six years. My partner's from the west of Ireland, and we got to a point that we needed to, we wanted to settle down, and we could never afford Dublin. So we started looking with quite a low budget for a doer-upper, fell in love with one in Sligo and um, kind of took the leap of faith, really. The jobs weren't here. We had to find them afterwards. That's how we arrived anyway. And is Sligo a place that complements, supports, supplements your kind of artistic endeavours? or At this point, yes. Yeah. Like when I first moved to Sligo, I was teaching in youth reach centres. So it was quite a different... You know, I was on a different kind of career path in a way. Like it was, I was teaching art still. Yeah, it was It was quite different in that way. Like when I actually stopped teaching and turned my attention to my full practice, then that's really when I realised all the supports that were there for an artist living in the northwest of Ireland. And Sligo has been good to me. It really has been good to me. And just as I look out the window here to Ben Bulban and behind my shoulder is the Atlantic coast. How has it influenced your actual practice? I know you, you have a huge focus on portraiture, but in terms of other subjects, has a Sligo permeated? Yeah, absolutely. Like when I first started painting full-time, all I could do was paint the sky. It's ah. just all around you. So it was mountain sky, old rundown houses. It was this landscape that I was painting all the time. And at the same time that that was happening, I started making drawings of Maud Garn. I suppose like you can't live in Sligo without being aware of the Yates connection. And she was a character that I was kind of introduced to via Yates. I actually became a little bit obsessed, I think, with Maud. She's there. She's on the wall of the studio. Oh, yes. Um, she's still with me. I drew her and drew her and drew her. At the time, I think it was to do with the fact that I needed... You know, I just left a full-time job. Um, I was trying to make my own practice and um, I needed a challenge and I needed I needed determination and I needed courage. And th- these were all things that she kind of possessed. Um, I did a lot of reading about her and I read about her as a young woman being afraid of the dark. And she challenged herself to walk through her uncle's garden in, at night, every night, in the dark until she wasn't afraid anymore. Wow. And that kind of, I, I kind of felt like I was doing the same thing. I had to do this, had to do it and do it and do it until it was actually happening for me. I think it was um, Maud's personality that kind of appealed to me. You know, her life story and the kind of, 
I suppose the feistiness and the determination somehow she got under my skin and it was hard to stop really I think I must have drawn her I can't I can't even count the amount of times I drew <laughs> but it was to do it was to do with Maud but it was also to do with my own story at the time yeah. I think that's what it was do you think there's an element of autobiography in things that you, any one of us create? Absolutely. Yeah, you can't help but put yourself yeah. in it. And no ma- I think no matter what you think it's about, in a few years' time, yeah, you'll look back and you'll realise what it was actually about. Um, and it normally is to do with what, who you were, what was going on, what your experience was at the time. So if I was to ask you to do a portrait and not delve into the personality or this was the story of the individual that would be next night impossible yeah i think it would what it would be would be just um a visual representation it'd be very dead and flat because i mean you're you're kind of when you're working on a portrait you're it's not just like you find out as much as you can about the person but it's your understanding of that person that you're really painting because it's coming through you and onto the canvas this is a perfect time to ask the question or to, to, to move on to the, the inaugural In Plain Sight Commission, which is of Francis Kyle and Apple Devil. What has been the process to bring you to this point in terms of research, getting to know those two characters? Both of them, I imagine, are quite different. Can you just talk to us maybe about how you've delved into that in the past couple of months? Yeah, well, the research was really, it was a really good experience with this because um, obviously kind of, my initial research was just reading as much as I could about the two women, finding as many photographs as I could. That's really important um, of the two women. Um, talking to, to Mary and Renata at, at King's Inns was really, really helpful because it not only kind of informed me on the lives of the women, but it kind of also informed me on the, the kind of... Um, in a way, the purpose of the portrait and what was, you know, how the achievements of those women have impacted on women today. So that's, you know, that hundred years needed to be somehow accounted for in the portrait as well. And then they put me in touch with Liz Goldthorpe, who has been fantastic. Uh, she actually met me in Sligo and wow. um, yeah, it was wonderful. She met me, she was very sharing of her knowledge and um, gave me as many photos as she could, which is really, really useful for me. Um, And also Liz had um, kind of inside information in a way, like the stuff that you wouldn't read necessarily. You know, it wasn't all facts. It was kind of um, like little extra bits of information, like the fact that Avril was a colourful yet reserved person. So because she she might, you know, if you read – purely about Avril, she comes across as being very dramatic and quite feisty. Um, but Liz was able to tell me about a certain kindness that there was in okay. Avril and a reserved nature. I get the impression that, yes, she was colourful and a strong, willed woman, probably, a determined woman, that um, she was also probably a good listener. Th- those little personal... Even those conversations with Liz and with Mary and Renata... And, you know, all the, I suppose, the, the community around these two ladies, does that backfill maybe the emotional connection you would have with a live subject? It does definitely build, build a picture. The more that you can build that picture and kind of invite them in, in a way, you kind of learn all this about them. And I, I kind of feel 
a real responsibility to do a good job on their behalf because when you present an image in this way, that is, you know, it's going to be quite a public image. That is how a lot of people will remember them or think about them. And I'd want it to be them to be represented in a way that they would be happy with, you know, and that they would feel was authentic in some way. And it is when in a posthumous portrait, there is guesswork that's going to yeah. come into that because you're never going to see actually how is that person when they're animated, when they're talking, when they're moving. That's a position of privilege for you because in some ways you're setting a tone or you're setting a view of these two ladies for many decades and, and, and centuries ahead. It's a huge privilege. I can feel the weight of the responsibility as well because, you know, they didn't have children, but there are family members. So you, you want them to be represented in the, in, in the right light. Based on your handwork and, and the power you have of shaping people's views of these ladies, what judgment would you like or what judgment do you think your, your piece will, will cause people to come to? Or... I think I would like them to see, to, to be aware of their courage. I think that's quite a big one for me because the run up to that event, like it was such turbulent times in Ireland, you know, you had like there was World War One and then the 1916 mm-hmm. Rising, all women's suffrage votes for women coming in. Like it was all, it was very turbulent. And then kind of shortly afterwards, then you had, you know, civil war. So it was, it was um, for them to be doing this at that point was an amazing achievement, really. You know, and, I, and it took courage, I think. It would take courage. And you can kind of see that they had, you know, they had no female role models ahead of them. So they were standing there on that day Absolutely yeah. not knowing what actually lay ahead, you know. So, um, yeah, I think I would like for their courage to come across um, and also then for them to be inspirational to young women today. And that begs the question, what is the point of portraiture when we have rich media, we've got video, we've got audio, we've got, you know, photography? To what extent is, is painted portraiture why do we covet it so much and why do we value it so much? Because all those mediums that you've mentioned there, you know, film, photography, video, they're all very valid as well. Yeah. And in the right hands can be just as powerful. Like I'm obviously biased being a painter. Like paint is something that, you know, I get excited about. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, I, just, I just find, you know, just the medium of paint itself and the fact that you're kind of, you know, the, the subject matter is coming through you constantly. Like, you know, you're kind of, you're looking, you're responding, you know, you've got this kind of amount of research in your head, a certain understanding of your subject. But at the same time, there's this act of painting that you, whatever you go to make, like painting is about problem solving. You put a mark on canvas and no matter what you intend, that paint is going to act in a certain way. And, you know, you it's kind of, you've, there's a push-pull there. Yeah. You've got a you never actually make what you imagine you're going to make. There's always like a, a joint effort between you and the paint. Okay. Um, and it is constant problem solving, constant problem solving. And, and even it, reacting because the action of one stroke, you whether if you don't like it, you have to react to it. 
And if you like it, you have to react to it either by not doing anything or or that's or it. It's repeating. constant motion, really. Like and building up. I work in layers, so I build up, build up, build up, build up, and and um, I quite often imagine that instead of putting the paint on, I'm kind of going in search of these people, you know, and finding them on the canvas, like as though they're already in there. Yeah. And it's my job then to find them. So it's it's kind of, I mean, there's just so much, it's, it's such a different process painting. And it's a very, it's a personal process. Um, as well as being what, I mean, with this one, I suppose in my own work, I, I would be very um, aware of appealing to a certain empathy or appealing to certain feelings from a viewer. In this, because it, it was quite a limited image that I had to work with, I was very aware of finding some kind of soul in that um, painting because I didn't want it to be, like we were saying earlier, just a visual representation of a photograph. A like that would be dead and lifeless. If there's a battle in doing one portrait, I can only imagine doing a double portrait. <laughs> there must be double the battles. Yeah. Well, do you know what? I've never done it before. What, what goes through your head in terms of the practicalities of a portion space, the prominence, placing, you know, symbolism? I suppose part of that is due to the research and so forth, but it must be... You have a limited economy on your on your on your canvas. How do you how do you tackle that? Well, I think in a way because the original source material was of a photograph of the two women together. Straight away, there was a suggested composition, but I did make changes to that. Um, the one of the things that um, that Mary said actually in one of the first meetings was about the strength of womanhood at the bar and and in the law school. And, and I just, I suppose, those two women standing there side by side and what they had just achieved, you know, being the first two women to be called to the bar, I, I just felt like they had to be pushed together. So, so what I did was I removed any trace of a gap between them so that they kind of, it's almost like a solidarity. In okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was quite a key part of it. Yeah, the ca- characters, they are so different, but somehow they've managed to sit side by side. I think because of the nature of, of that, like I'm not necessarily pre- um, painting two friends or two women that had um, a relationship with each other. They were in the same class. So they didn't have to... Um, relate to each other you know they were they're posed they are quite obviously posing yeah um for a photograph or for a viewer to see so so i didn't the, the kind of um that kind of interaction with each other wasn't too difficult to handle the painting is going to be hung in king's inns and from time to time on tour um what comes to your own mind in terms of the context within which the painting will be displayed You've been to King's Inns. You've seen the, the you know, the hallowed halls of portraiture stretching back eons yeah. um, of men, primarily, yes. bar yeah. three, men who held high office, high influence. Your painting is going to join those. Um, what considerations do you take into mind when, when you know that it's going to be placed alongside those? I was aware of that um, whilst I was painting 
I suppose because in a way, like we've kind of mentioned the era and that, that it was really important that that era was referenced. Um, and in a way that painting should have been on the wall for a long time. So, so it kind of, it made sense in a way that, that it would fit. I didn't want it to, be, to look too radical and to, you know, kind of stick out as something that was different. Um, so I think kind of the palette probably would help that and the, and the fact that it is set in 1921 um, will help it to kind of sit in with the other portraits, even though it will, obviously, you know, the fact that it's two women will, will make it look different. Unique. Yeah. But I think in the, in the kind of terms of Avril and Francis, like for them to have their legacy honoured in that way, um, it's very special, you know, um, that they actually, after all this time, that they have made it to the wall is, um, is a wonderful thing to happen. Your lovely cottage, your studio, it is bedecked with images and snippets of phrases and books and that's the paraphernalia of, of an artist do you want to maybe just talk about your working environment and how you how you use it it's like a sanctuary it's a place to think and a place to think clearly and to experiment i mean that was definitely one of the things that was different about making the portrait of avril and francis was that normally when i make a painting i I know that nobody ever has to see it. So it can be quite an intensive investigation and experimentation. And if it's, you know, a massive learning process and if everything goes wrong, it doesn't matter. You move on to the next thing, paint over, move on to the next thing. Whereas this portrait was definitely going to be seen. So I had to drop that off my shoulders. But this is the place to do it because you... you it's it's like a safe place yeah. to make to make work. Speaking with the artist who did the portrait of Justice Mary Lafoy, yes, um, two years ago, her name's Hetty Lawler. Hetty Lawler, yeah, that's that's actually the portrait that I would pick out myself in the. Okay, very yeah. very good. We had a brief chat just after it was unveiled, and I was asking her in terms of a commission: does that create an extra layer of pressure? Because A, you have a deadline yeah. and B, you have, a, you know, an intended audience and expectation. And yeah. how have you navigated the commission? Does it create pressure? It definitely creates a pressure. It's like a nervous excitement in a way. <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> it is. It's, it's um, well, I think like I was saying to you earlier, it's like you're so desperate to do a, a good job. job by these people and for the, for the, for the commissioning body as well. And the excitement that comes around, the actual, the actual act of making it is exciting. You know, the research yeah. is interesting. The actual act of painting it and, and seeing them finally what this thing is going to be, you know, um, is exciting. But yes, definitely there is a weight of responsibility that goes with it. You know, in order to, to, to paint well, if that's... <laughs> That is something that you can do, um, just in order to paint and to be expressive and to and to actually lose yourself in it. You know, to really get into that kind of hyper focus, you have to be able to relax. So you have to drop that. Yeah. You have to drop that 
um, that feeling that, you know... Acknowledge it and ignore it. Acknowledge it and ignore it, exactly. Kind of just let it go. And, you know, I know that a painting of this sort, that there will be people that will love it and there will be people that don't. And I have to be okay with that. Yeah. You know, I have to let that go, really. But it does, I suppose, when you when you are the person that's made it, it, it becomes um, becomes very personal to you as well as to those women. Like you said earlier on, part of your own identity invariably permeates. You can't help. It's yeah, like an yeah, ingredient it, yeah. because it, it's something that is kind of of you. Those ingredients get instilled into the work itself. Lovely talking to you. Best of luck with the unveiling. Thanks very much. Thank you. You've been listening to Emma Stroud in conversation. Emma is the first on what we intend to be a long line of commissioned artists under the In Plain Sight initiative. To find out more about the commission and how you can contribute, visit lawlibrary.ie forward slash in plain sight. Thank you for listening.